Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry Nemiroff, and the person I was about to do the wrong hand right there is Haley Pouch. Haley, eat, eat me. Eat me. Oh, you can't see. I love how I'm like, you could see exactly what we're doing right now. Um, it's my fault, not yours. Other way. Other way. Higher. Higher. Go, like, closer to me. Lower. 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 Uh, well, all right. We tried. It came close. <laughs> how goes it? Uh, it goes okay, just so anyone watching knows. You are not wrong. I am recording from bed. I have been uh, having a bit of a neck injury the last week or two, so I, I just decided to make it real cozy. So welcome to Mashamba. I hope you. I hope you feel better. I mean, technically, I'm in my bedroom too, which is yeah. It's still weird. It's so weird. I- I'm used to like recording in the bedroom, but in the bed is another another level of of intimacy. Welcome to my life. Well, do you want to do you want to see Cozy Dewey? Will that help? Yes. Look, oh, at, look at that little nugget. Cozy. Look at that little nugget. Do you know what? Do you know what that is? Do you see what I'm pointing at? This pillar? No, the yeah, the pillar. pillar, the pillar. So that that pillar is actually a screen used prop from uh, Moon. Oh, cool. It's one of the hydrogen containers. Very cool. Yeah. Fancy pillar. Random, random thing. Yeah, that's, it's actually, so obviously it's meant to look like a big, heavy, weighty canister, but really it's something I could lift with like two fingers and the silver paint is completely stained the carpet underneath it. So not, not, not so fancy, but yeah. Movie magic all over the place in here. All right. So we have an interesting show for you today because obviously one of the big things that happened in the last week is the launch of Quibi. And there are a couple of genre-friendly shows available right now, and we've watched a handful of them. So we're going to highlight those in particular, but we're going to talk about Quibi in general, too, because, wow, it's it's fascinating. It really is. I got to, I'll be honest. You were way like, because Perry's been doing Quibi reviews for us. She's been doing interviews. She was much more educated on it than I. And she suggested maybe we talk about it this week. And I was like, I don't really care about that. But then I I looked into it and I started flipping through the app and watching the shows. It's it's very fascinating. I'm interested. I'm very interested. Um, I guess I guess the good place to start is just a broad. Is Quibi worth it so far? Uh, so. I- I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it is mainly because of that 90 day free trial, which is absolutely yeah. not so. But I mean, if it's free, you might as well. Because 
I would say that almost all of the content that I've watched is at like a level or above. I haven't really watched anything that's bad, bad, bad. I didn't. Well, we'll get into more of the specifics. I didn't really care for the Sophie Turner show, but uh, I would agree that it's all on a technical level, like work went into everything that they're doing. Nothing was lazy or sloppy. Um, Uh, I just it's, don't it's know definitely about the format, though. I, I'm curious. I It's fascinating that this was meant to be something aimed at a culture that does not exist right now, the on-the-go culture. Uh, we are all stuck at home, and this was meant to be like something you watch in an Uber or while you're waiting for a bus or an appointment. Is that something that Katzenberg had said? That it was, it was specifically for the on-the-go. Because when I first heard about it, when I first started getting into it, I was in, and maybe this is just a me thing, that I was envisioning myself watching this more, not necessarily while, let's say, waiting for, I don't know, a movie to start or in an Uber, but while I was, like, bored at home. You know, if I was laying in sure. bed and couldn't fall asleep, I would just flip through a couple of chapters of Quibi. The only, I mean, I don't know if he specifically said that. That's certainly how it's always been pitched to me. But the reason I think that is the case is because right now you can only watch it on your phone. You cannot watch it on your computer or your TV. Why? It's, like, I, I do not <laughs> understand because you even just said it. It's not like, it's not like any less work was put into these things or any less money from, as far as I can tell, at least, why, why? Like, I don't understand why does it benefit them to only have it on mobile devices? I'm not really sure either. I'm sure it was a branding decision to, like, back up that on-the-go type thing. But I, the reason I think Quibi might survive despite having launched in exactly the worst circumstances for its design is because everyone who's running things seems to be really flexible They've been saying if people say they want it on TV, we'll put it on TV. If people say they want to binge watch this, they don't want to do it every day, we'll put it out to binge watch. Like, they're willing to listen and they know they're in a weird space on a freaking billion dollar gamble. And those are the two things that would probably be at the top of my list to suggest that they do is, you know, I would have one of my one of my favorite things about being home in New York it's obviously it's terrible circumstances but my one silver lining is that I get to spend time with my family and we've been spending a lot of time watching movies and shows together and the thing that I wanted to do on April 6th was show them some of the things that I had been covering and I think we would have had a wonderful evening watching some of those things together but we couldn't because we couldn't get it on the tv yeah I I have a feeling that's going to be a short-lived decision it may have lasted longer if, if we were out catching Ubers all the time and going from meeting to meeting. But right now, everybody's at home. And like even just, I have my phone by me. It's not like it was hard, but it was a little annoying to not, to already be on my computer and have to change devices and like download the app instead of just going to a website. I, yeah. I think they'll work that out pretty quickly. And the other thing you had said was the idea of them launching it all at once, which is something that I say yes, yes, and all the yeses to because you still, you still give users the same opportunity they might have had before they launched what was it three three chapters of one of their movies and chapters on day one you could watch those three chapters whenever you want or you can binge them all at once why force people to stop there and then wait another day and that was a really uh it was a frustrating thing about covering quibbies they're called movies in chapters was the fact that they're trying to say that they are a, a they're a feature length film that it, that is what it is but they only gave us access to the first let's say four chapters for review so essentially you're just reviewing the first act of the movie which it like it doesn't feel right but I'm doing my job and those were the circumstances that I was handed so I had to review them and obviously in every single review I did, I kept saying, like, I was only given access to this, this, this much of this, you know? But yeah. why not just give covering press the entirety of your movie? 
Yeah, the press thing is a different. I'm I'm not sure what the motivation is there. Um, I I will say like. I agree, especially where we live in a binge watching society. It's something we like to do, especially while we're stuck at home. I see like. So when you talk about things like Dishmantled or the Chrissy Teigen Judge show, I could see how once a day that would be fun, especially if you were getting caught in Ubers every day and you're like, oh, there's a new episode of Dismantled I can watch while we get across town. That said, having watched like seven chapters of uh, Most Dangerous Game, I would, would, first of all, if they gave me four of those, I would have been like, what? is this i was so angry so <laughs> angry all right let's just get into the specific ones now so most dangerous yeah. game it stars liam hemsworth as a guy who desperately needs to make some money for his family to support them and the opportunity he gets is through christoph waltz's character and originally he approaches him for a loan but christoph waltz has something like much more unique in mind he is willing to give Liam Hemsworth's Liam Hemsworth's character dodge a crazy amount of money to essentially be hunted for sport, and that's what the premise of that one is. And do you know exactly where my screeners for Most Dangerous Game cut off when mm. the freaking game began? That's very annoying. Yeah, it, even I watched seven of them and I enjoyed myself and I was into it. It does pick up like a movie. It's not a great movie, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then there are no more episodes. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to it as the thing because it's an okay movie. Ultimately. I wonder if it would play any better all in all in one too. Like, I wonder if it's doing the material itself a disservice to actually have to break it up like that. So that was one of the the ones that I not only reviewed, but I did an interview for as well. And I was talking to Christoph Waltz and what, what a fascinating individual. He just has, he has such great appreciation for it, for his craft and for traditional storytelling that one of the most fascinating parts of our conversation was what he learned about the Quibi format as far as, you know, the benefits that could come from it. And, you know, he was just highlighting the fact that if you see a movie in a traditional sense in a theater, the viewer will only tolerate so many cliffhangers, but these movies and chapters are being written for the Quibi format, so you could have many, many more cliffhangers. And it it, it makes it makes sense, but it's, I don't know, I'm still having a very difficult time comparing the two, strictly because I haven't been able to watch Most Dangerous Game in one shot. I want to know what it feels like as a movie. Yeah, well, I got so close, you know, doing seven different chapters. That takes you probably halfway through it. I think so, like, that I one's f- 15 total, I think. Yeah, and that, it was it was good, entertaining, fine. Yeah. But like I said, I don't know if I'll go back, whereas I totally would have finished it if it was there. Yeah, so I would have kept hitting play. I would have also. I, it, is, <laughs> it is funny, like, in a lot of ways, to me, Quibi just seems like fancy broadcast TV. And when you describe, like, what he said about cliffhangers, I'm like, yeah, that's writing for broadcast. That's how they've always done it. That is a a very, very accurate point right there. Yeah. That's what you do before a commercial. Yeah. So, uh, so most dangerous game. It sounds like we we both like that one. Yeah, it's entertaining. I would, it's an easy, whenever all the episodes are there, it will be an easy binge. Absolutely. Christoph Waltz is having fun doing his thing. He's good. And it's wonderful. He's good. He's uh, yeah. really, it, it never ceases to amaze me how much he can bring out of a, like a straightforward one-on-one dialogue. He just, he has it. And I hate to say it, but he acts circles around Liam Hemsworth in those moments. Yeah. But I understand why you cast Liam Hemsworth in a role like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, Liam Hemsworth is perfect for that role. It's just that Christoph Waltz, like you said, he takes like you could give him a really bad piece of dialogue and he'll make it yeah. sound like art. He's just gifted. <laughs> he like really he makes is. everything interesting. It's something else. Um, I, uh, I'm going to finish that one, though. I, I think at this point, because I've watched up to seven now, too, I think I'm just going to wait until the rest of them drop and then blow through them all. I think I'll do the same thing. I, I won't. And I don't think from any of you know, you can't say only having tried to, but I don't suspect I'll enjoy the day-to-day format for any of the films and chapters. Mm-hmm. 
I'll enjoy that for the goofy shows. I'm and maybe Fifty that. Shades of Fright, which is more of a serialized, multi-chapter per story thing. Did you just say Fifty Shades of Fright? I sure did. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I was like, as you were saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah. is there like a Fifty Shades adaptation that I didn't know of? Do you know that when I, we, we like had an early premiere on one of the trailers and I wrote up the whole post, Fifty Shades of Fright, before I was reviewing it and I was like, wow, every single place you could have put that, you put that. <laughs> I like Outstanding that. work. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that all it, those kinds of things always bring me back to my insidious inside out thing. And I just, yeah, I exactly. just wrote about both movies. So I did it all over again. Oh, perfect. And Captain, you know, Amer your brain <laughs> for whatever reason, Captain, Captain American. American. <laughs> um, Damn it. Yeah. American. Uh, I guess to stick with the movies and chapters to start here, we should probably move into the Sophie Turner one survive. That's that's yeah. another one that I have watched all available episodes as of this the time that we're recording this episode of Witching Hour, and I'm probably going to stop and then just binge the rest of it when they're all there. Oh, I'm probably just going to stop. That one's not for me. How so? Mm, I don't... It's not my type of storytelling, necessarily. It's a little... Uh, it hits the drama pretty hard. Mm -hmm. um, it's... I, I guess I would say indulgent is the short way to say what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, and I just, I find the characters not super absorbing, any of them. So I just, there was nothing in there that really hooked me except for like, oh, I like Sophie Turner and it just didn't go far enough for me. I think the thing that hooked me was, oh, I like survival stories. Yeah, it's fair. like there. there's a reason we get a lot of movies like that, because that kind of scenario has an inherent thrill. It connects right back to the thing I talk about all the time, which is what would you do in that situation? Would you right. be able to survive? But I thought it, I thought it started off in a really interesting place. So Sophie Turner is um, is is someone who is staying in a long term care facility and she's had suicidal thoughts and it's something that's in her family. And at the very beginning of Survive, they are releasing her from the facility to go back to the East Coast to be with her mother. And what the folks at the facility don't know is that she still has these thoughts and intentions and plans on taking her own life on the plane and never making it back home. And after the flight takes off, there's a plane crash and the only two survivors left are Sophie Turner's character, Jane, and also Corey Hawkins, who happens to be the person sitting next to her on the plane. And it's all about the two of them trying to survive. And I don't know. I, I thought that was an interesting premise. The idea of someone being in that kind of situation and maybe not having the, the will to survive and then maybe her needing to step up for him because they have to be a team together. But again, when I reviewed it, I only reviewed it off of the first five episodes. So while it could have been something really interesting and thoughtful, I couldn't tell you whether or not it is. And I still can't even after seven episodes. Yeah, that's the other thing with that one. And it, it, um, I definitely think this is a case where the the chapter film format didn't work at all for me because the first three I found kind of insufferable and it was so hard to get to the point where I would be interested in and I see that why the beginning might work for some people and it's definitely playing in that sort of 13 reasons why territory of very heightened dramatic depictions of mental health issues and things like that it's a good comparison not for me and it was a lot to get through to get to the actual survival part, which is more what's interesting to me. Can I, I'm going to say one brief spoiler, because when this happened, okay. I was like, holy shit, did you get, all right, spoiler guys, spoilers happening. Did you get to the part where they jump from the rock wall into a tree? <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, you know, the the survival rate for something like that, but... <laughs> Can, can I spoil one more thing for you? I'm going into full-blown spoiler territory. So first, they're, they need to 
they need to I'm just going for it now. They need to climb down from the mountain because nobody's going to rescue them, which is another another stretch, a logic stretch there that bothered me a little because how is Corey Hawkins so certain that nobody will find them? I don't think I was given enough specifics about their location except for we're on a snowy mountaintop to fully believe that they would never be found. So they're walking they're walking down the mountain because they have to escape because no one's coming for them and he's essentially holding her hand while they're like pressed up against a cliff like shimmying across <laughs> and at one point the cliff that they're standing on it's gone and there's nowhere else to go and he looks down and there's a tree there and there the tree is like way way down there and he says we have to jump so he <laughs> legit like flings himself off the side of the mountain and like you know like pancakes on the tree <laughs> and then convinces him I know for a fact I'm enjoying this more than I'll enjoy the real scene. <laughs> and then he can, it's getting worse as I'm explaining it. He then convinces her to do the same thing. And they're both fine. There was a, not only was it a very big jump, but it was a very tall tree. I just don't understand how they got up after that. But that's not even it. <laughs> and then there's another point in a later episode. I think it's the next one where he's shouting at her like, turn around, look. There's a freaking avalanche coming. Like, I don't know how avalanches work either. So maybe I'm, I shouldn't be judging something like this, but it's like a full blown avalanche and it just like gets her, you know? Oh, and it's like, she's tumbling like crazy and she gets buried in the snow. Like one, how can he possibly find her? And two, how does something like that not have more like detrimental results? I don't know. That I don't, I'm literally like looking up, can you survive an avalanche? <laughs> I, I, I'm from California. We don't have those. She like full force gets hit by this avalanche. All right. I guess. What? I mean, I guess it's, they say that you can carve out a little pocket of snow and you have some time. She, uh, no, she was, she was like buried. She was buried and they do this weird, this weird cutting back and forth where like she's laying in the snow yelling, help me, help me. But then when he finds her, she's been completely buried under it, which makes me think that that was like her imagining herself calling for help. Yeah. I I, well, was it like a flashback to her screaming, help me on the plane? I don't know. I don't think so. The other, the other part was that like, did you get final destination vibes? Like, I feel like... I wish, no. Well, also because they have a conversation about premonitions beforehand. Oh, I see what you mean. I see. So I just wanted to think about that a lot. All right. I guess end spoiler warning for (laughs) Survive. I hope my dramatic (laughs) reading of what happens entertained you. I really liked it. (laughs) I wasn't laughing at it as much while it happened. I was (laughs) semi-engrossed. But saying that out loud, I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's okay. I mean, I do think you were talking about how they just kind of took for granted that you'd accept him telling you that nobody will find them. I do think there's a little bit to this of like telling more than showing in a lot of these scripts and probably because of the way it was designed to not be sat down and watched like in a theater as a film. But the writing definitely does come across as different sometimes. Yeah, no, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, uh, I was about to say something that I can't say just yet. Okay. But I'll, yeah, I'll, there's there's a couple of new ones coming out uh, next next Monday on the is the thirteenth of Monday. I, oh, I don't know. I th- it might be on the thirteenth. <laughs> I don't know I think, what days are. I think that's when we get the the uh, the first chapters of the Stranger, the one with Dane DeHaan, and also Fifty States of Fright. Right. And I, I have screeners of those, but I'm not allowed to talk about them. So I'm gonna leave, leave whether or not you're excited, Haley, just to you, so I don't break any rules. Oh, I see, I see. Um, yeah, I, well, I'm looking forward to Fifty States of Fright, and I didn't have a chance to watch much of it, so I couldn't even say much. But um, I like the concept. For anyone who doesn't know, it's like telling stories 
uh, like famous horror stories from all the different states of America, and they have some really cool filmmakers involved and really great talent. That's like everything on Quibi. The talent's oh my outrageous. God. The the roster for Fifty States yeah. of Fright is nuts. Absolutely it's nuts. Produced by Sam Raimi, and the cast is outrageous. Um, I'm intrigued by it, and I can't. I guess if we're under embargo, I can't say anything, but I'll sneak in that. Uh, it looks horary. Mm-hmm. Looks like they went for it. Um, back to some of the stuff we can tell you about. One of the things that I've been noticing in a lot of them is that there's there's very little style. And I think that connects to what you just said about them telling us everything. I also think they're taking that same approach visually where I'm just being shown what I need. Mm-hmm. It's basically just coverage. Like there doesn't yeah. feel, it doesn't feel like there's any, you know, like authorship to it. So what's the, uh, I don't remember the name of the, the function where you can switch your screen like that to that like to that. Lands, landscape and portrait? Yeah, but they have a specific name for the way they do it because all of the shows are shot to work in oh, landscape yeah, yeah. or portrait. I haven't watched it's a mode any app. in portrait mode. It feels so wrong to me. Oh, I can't stop flipping back and forth to see the huh. difference. Oh, that's fine. Uh, and- so far, they haven't really done anything bold with it, but I do see opportunities for interesting things there. Like, I know there was one, I don't know if they actually made it or if it was a proof of concept thing, uh, but a while back, I heard about one that was going to, might just be an example, but like of a woman creeping through a house, and when you looked at it in landscape, it was a traditional film shop, but when you looked at it, this way, it was as if her phone, you were seeing it from her phone's perspective. So oh, they offered okay. a major shift in experience between those two viewpoints. And that's very interesting to me. I have not seen anything close to that so far. No, I, ha- I haven't either. Th- that would suggest that movies and chapters on Quibi have a lot more potential than what I've seen thus far. But yeah. for now, at least, what the one that I was trying to get to, and I've only seen the first two chapters of this one. Uh, what, what the name? I'm going to butcher the name. When the when the streetlights go on, I ke- I oh, keep yeah. saying when the streetlights come on, and it's from director <laughs> Rebecca Thomas, and that's the first one that I've watched any any chapter of that actually has style to it. Mm. Like I think it it takes place in the summer of 1995 and it very much has that vibe to it. There's very specific camera moves that have purpose and intention and it isn't just coverage for the sake of coverage. Again, I'm very early on in that one, so I can't tell you how the whole story pans out, but that's the first one that actually made me feel like I was stepping into another world. That's interesting, and I'm very excited to check that out because when you say coverage and when I refer to the changing dynamics like it really does just translate like we shot it from here and we shot it from here you can watch it from here or you can watch it from here <laughs> and they're like really close together shots that are slightly different yeah. uh, so I, I, I would like to see them experiment more with style and that one does sound interesting it's just uh, I mean whatever problem Disney Plus is having with a lack of original content, Quibi is not going to have that. They started with the more than fifty shows. They will have more than one fifty by the end of the year. It's a lot to watch. Oh, I I give them a lot of credit for jumping in feet first. If you've got the resources to give filmmakers these opportunities to tell stories we might not see elsewhere, like good on you. But I don't know I I think I'm getting a little sensitive about the idea of committing so much of my time to Quibi and it not paying off because what I keep thinking is, and I, I brought this up when I was chatting with, with Tom and Vinny the other day, I I just want, I want to make sure there's longevity here. I, I feel like, and this is the best comparison I could think of off the top of my head, I need them to find their stranger things, you know? You're not going to build... You're not going to build that obsessive community that's going to keep coming back to your service unless you have that something that catches on. And I, I've yet to see that thing that I think is really going to catch on in that sense. I, Not in storytelling, in fun, flighty, easy entertainment. I could totally see myself turning this on like YouTube and letting the algorithm just play me weird stuff because um, they've got... Well, we'll talk about Dismantled, which is absurd. It's but nuts. I watched it. Did you best. tell me to? I kind of love it. It is. Oh, I love it. 
it's maybe the closest we've ever gotten to actually making content that would be an idiocracy, but it's also brilliant. <laughs> I think it, the reality programming is the best stuff I've watched. Like that to me feels like it could be something because when it comes to the movies and chapters thing, it feels like Quibi exists in like like a dead zone, you know? We have yeah. feature films that you could watch on your TV and in the movie theater. And then we've got, you know, fun TikTok videos. But Quibi is yeah. like somewhere in the middle and it doesn't feel like I need that middle. No, I agree. Uh, TikTok's a good reference for something else where I just let the algorithm show me stuff and I enjoy myself and let the screen play. If Quibi wanted to throw all these weird shows at me, I could I could see that happening, but I'd need it to work on my TV because I'm not just going to stare at my phone forever. Oh, I guess I do with TikTok. But with YouTube, like I put it on my TV, I put on whatever I'm interested in learning about for the day and mm -hmm. I let YouTube do its thing. Um, the And they do have cool stuff. I mean, Dish Gentles is obviously the most inspired for anyone who doesn't know what that is. That's where they shoot... They blast a meal into chefs' faces with a cannon, <laughs> and then the chefs have to try to recreate what they tasted from the food cannon, and it's just absurd. It's, it's so by... good. It's so good. Um, why am I forgetting his last name? Titus, Titus Burgess. Uh, thank you. Uh, hosts it. He's obviously wonderful, and it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a genuine delight. I will watch all of those episodes. I will watch badly. all of it. Uh, that, yeah. I think that's the stuff that has the most potential in in my mind and has and has a feeling akin to a TikTok because you know you know my recent habit I I've grown obsessed with TikTok and I could sit in bed when I can't fall asleep and just scroll 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 yeah. for for hours I can't believe how much time I've wasted not really wasted cuz I've enjoyed myself I can't <laughs> believe how much time I've spent doing that the reality programming has has that feeling if yeah. it had let's say and that's another thing that i'm not loving about the app i don't love the interface i find it very <laughs> difficult to navigate and to discover if let's say there was an endless scroll where i was getting all the reality content i could 100 percent see myself not going on tiktok laying in bed at night and just flipping through episodes same. That, I think, is really sort of going to prove to be their breadwinner, if anything, because that content is fun. And even it's like comfort content, right? So not oh, just just dismantled. You hear the, the plot synopsis and you're like, obviously, that's insane. And I have to know what that is. But there are other ones, too, that fall under the comfort mantle that aren't as outlandish. They have one that's like uh, investigating pasta shapes in remote places in Italy so that form of pasta doesn't die out with the older generation and in like wow. seven minutes you'll learn about a pasta you've never heard of before in a place in italy you've never heard of before and it's very interesting I and comfortable check that out i would watch that any you know they should have different feeds so like things like that which are a little more food network in line or something like dismantled and punked which is more like just have fun or even play with hashtags like yeah. the hashtag landscape has already been created for you i mean yeah. like I know there is a function where you could search genres, but if a show was like hashtag horror and I had an endless scroll feature and just jumped maybe even from, from a reality show to a movie in chapters, maybe that would help me discover easily. I agree. Whether it's, you know, like Twitter with hashtags and Instagram with hashtags or whether it's like the song sorting on TikTok, they need some sort of so sorting instrument to help you just go to the feeds you want to see. Speaking of TikTok. Did you see my TikTok from the other day? I don't think I did. I don't know if I could show you guys while this is going on, but I'm, I'm, you can bet I'm going to try so. right now. I am going to try. I have a feeling you're not going to be able to see anything. That's my masterpiece. We were going That's fantastic. We were going through um we were going through like old childhood things and cleaning out closets and stuff because we got time to do that right now. And sure. you would not believe the assortment of old Halloween costumes we have. And obviously I have all of the horror shit. Like all these random masks and stuff. Oh. 
and I found all of my old Jurassic Park toys. I want to, that's, that's way more fun. If I went through everything and just be like, oh, here are these books I stored three years ago that I still don't need. Well, I did find the, the CDB book. So I've got, I've got books too. You found gems. <laughs> I have a feeling my books and your books are totally different. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I have any kids left from child kids. Mm, I am like, on the painkiller. I don't have any kids left. No, I don't know what I'm saying. I shouldn't be on camera. <laughs> Uh, this is exactly why you should be on camera. <laughs> I don't know if I have any of my books left from from childhood, but those I didn't have any code breaking. I did have one that was about like a cat and a mouse who were best friends, and it was the only thing I cared about. Was it was it like, like my a favorite lion book. And a mouse? No, it was a cat house cat. House cat. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was the cutest thing I'd ever freaking seen, well, and I kept it with me everywhere. If you find that, share that with me. I will. I think it's very deep in a very big storage well, container. I, I did a, a dramatic reading of CDB, so now it's your turn. Yes. You have to do that, because that's what all thing. of the people want. Um, Unfortunately, I think all my books that are up front in storage are from college, so they'd be really boring reads about like economics during the French Revolution. Nobody wants that. I got a, I got a couple of those, too. I think uh, my dad unearthed a pile of film school books, though, and I actually kind of want to keep those, even though they're so interesting. Some of them are interesting, but a lot of them, because I was on the producing track, are about the business of film. So they're extremely dated now. It's like (laughs) if anyone put those practices to use, they would be like years behind. That's funny. It's probably like still refers to Netflix as a DVD service or something. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I should pl- I should flip <laughs> through that and see if I could find find uh, their approach to that. Um, before we leave the topic of reality on Quibi or like game showy type. I, no, it's more game show and reality. I'm also a very big fan of the MTV revival shows. So I watched Singled Out, which is mm-hmm. which is good fun i think kiki palmer is a great host it's it's funny too it's it's pretty well edited and i like it but the one that i really really like and i think was actually improved by the quibi format is punked that's interesting how do you think it was improved so punked i i really loved it growing up but you know, eventually it kind of ran its course. You saw you saw enough things, yeah. like you knew what was going to happen. How long was it going to be until everyone in Hollywood knew Ashton Kutcher was coming for you? And of course, that was the problem that they did run into. Also, I found that Punk became just unbearably self-indulgent with him patting himself on the back and showing off how he's going to set things up for like ever before the prank actually happened. And because of the six to eight minute format, they don't have time to do that. Most right. of the show is the prank itself and it works and it's fun. And I would flip through a million of them if they had them. That makes sense. I didn't, I watched the first three and I enjoyed myself and that would fall into the, if that came up on my screen when I was letting the algorithm do its thing, I would totally watch it. Uh, easy comfort watching. Yeah. And None of the pranks were, like, mean-spirited or went too far. They were all that fun. First, the first ones were real good. The first one was my favorite. It was good. The Sabrina Carpenter one. Yes. Is that what they played first for us? I don't remember. Oh, that was my first one. Uh, which one was that? What was the prank? Um, where they said her house was infested with rats. The first one they played for me was the gorilla. Oh, the gorilla with... I. I don't, I don't Megan the Stallion. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. I saw that was no, that was pretty funny. I like that. It was good, but that's when I was like, "Is this gonna get mean?" Because there was an animal involved, and I was like, "If they do something too mean spirited, where she thinks her dog's in trouble, then this isn't gonna be fun anymore." Yeah, but they just skirted it. They were they were all pretty playful. Did you see the the yeah. bar mitzvah one too? Yeah, it was really okay, good. That, that was the second one they played. For yeah, me. that was my second one also. That one I got I got a kick out of all of them, and I, and I'm gonna watch more of them. But I'll watch it. It's it's a weird time right now. <laughs> and it, I was so caught like I was very much on the cusp about whether or not they should still go through with the launch. Because, again, I was I was always viewing Quibi slightly different as not so much an on the go product, but a lay lay in bed late at night flip through type of thing. So I was mm-hmm. thinking that 
by having everybody having to stay at home right now, maybe the launch could be bigger than ever. But that doesn't seem to have worked out. And it, I felt like for launch week, a lot of the people involved were so quiet. Like, I can't yeah. believe Quibi wasn't trending more. Or I wasn't seeing, even if it's through Skype interviews, people popping up on the Today Show more to talk. You know, if they have 150 shows coming out by the end of the year, why am I not being bombarded with Quibi ads and interviews? You name it. And I feel like I wasn't. No, I agree. It's a really strange launch on all counts. And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. Maybe they did massively pull back advertising spending. That's absolutely a possibility. But I don't understand why you would if you're still going to launch. So I don't, I don't know. There's very small, very talented people involved with this. And they have put so much money into it. So they have to have a strategy. I hope so. So what, I just don't understand it. <laughs> I know we're very early in the Quibi process right now, but given the information they've released about how many downloads and everything, what what is your prediction? Do you think that when the 90 days are up, most of those people are going to then subscribe to the service? Or are they doomed? I don't know... I'm trying to think if I would stay subscribed and I might because it's $5, which isn't, that's still $5 a month. That's up. I know. Uh, especially if it's something I kind of like, I guess it really depends on how much people get out of it, how much time they take to go through all the shows, find what they like. And if Quibi does adjust to audience demands and go, okay, it's on TV now. Okay. Now here are, 10 things you can stream right now because we realize people want to binge stuff. I think if they really work with the audience the way they're promising to, that will go a long way. Yeah. I I need to see them make strides in that sense before I commit to being a subscriber because, and you know, we, I feel like we come at it from a different perspective too, because the way that I'm weighing its value right now is like, yes, like my opinion on the quality of the content is my own, but also as far as my work goes, if people aren't watching it, then I need to be spending my time elsewhere. Sure. Like in, personal enjoyment is a big deal to me also, but you know, I, I feel that urgency to be a Netflix subscriber so that I could have access to all of their original programming. I don't feel that urge strong enough yet with Quibi, but also I do need to consider if I'm going to keep watching Quibi content, is that going to keep getting people to click on reviews or is no one going to care at a point? And I, I'm very fearful that after the 90 days, there aren't going to be enough people to care. I'm a little bit torn because like the reasons are the reasons, the reason apps tend to work so well in us is that they're designed to be addictive and that's why we're on TikTok too long that's why we're on YouTube too long they are made to keep us hooked which Quibi is in a platform to have that effect on our brain and I could see it happening to me even earlier when I you know right when my shift started and I had to stop watching whatever stupid thing I was watching I was like I don't want to to watch another stupid episode of Dismantled or whatever Um, so I could see that working the thing though is everything we keep comparing this to free free it's all free this ain't free and i get it this is fancy tiktok this is fancy youtube this is that kind of content but with movie stars kid like you know it's it's glitzy and See, famous but that's the thing if you're not going to be free and if you're going to pour the resources into making these shows and movies theatrical quality then at least let us put it on our tv I mean, I yeah. still I don't think that's going to be the thing to fix the problem, let's say, and, and you know, change my tune on Quibi's future, but at least it could help. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm very curious. And isn't don't they lose all their rights in two years? How does that work? What is what's happening, Quibi? What are you God, doing? I've, I've got absolutely no clue. <laughs> I've, I think I'm just trying to get to 90 days first. Yeah, probably them, too. I'm so- but I think that uh, like a lot of their rights expire in two years or something. It's weird. What? Which rights in particular? The creators will have rights 
to a film length version after two years. So maybe this is just for the movie stuff. I have to do more research. Wait, but wait, wait. I, I don't think I'm entirely following. Okay, hang on. Somebody brought this up in chat and I was like, that sounds insane. Mm-hmm. So let's see mm-hmm. what it actually means. I'm very, I know, I'm very curious. I'm glad you brought this up. Um... Okay, I'm still a little confused. I won't lie to you. Um, news flavor, blah, 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 a horror series, blah, blah, blah. Fancy people, very famous. According to Katzenberg, Quibi is paying production partners cost plus 20% up to $6 million an hour. Quibi will license the episodic versions of the projects exclusively for seven years, while the right the creators will have rights to a film length version after two years to shop to other distribution channels. So would that would that mean that these these producers could then maybe release their film in full on DVD and VOD and stuff? Is that that what they're getting at? I think so. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. It's very confusing. I feel like someone was given a very bad deal in Shark Tank and they didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't... I, you know, I, I don't know fine print for all I know. There's there's some, you know, financial reasoning behind all of that that I'm not picking up on right now. Quibi won't include any licensed content. That's because it wants premium originals specifically produced for mobile viewing, according to Katzenberg. He says he doesn't plan to produce any shows himself for Quibi. I'm a curator, he says. This is from Variety, by the way. Hmm. Very interesting. Very confusing. Not sure what to make of it. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Hi. Well, that's where we stand on Quibi. But let us know what you think as well. (laughs) Did you download it? Are you enjoying it? Hit the comment section below. Tell us what you think in general, but also tell us what shows you're super into because the more recommendations we have right now, the better. Before we say goodbye, Haley, has there been anything else you've been watching or doing to keep yourself busy that might make people out there happy? Uh, I've had a rough couple of weeks, but I've been uh, watching Buffy again, which is always Ah. good for my soul. I finished season two which is always devastating because like best episode or season of television ever um i have been really enjoying all the people sharing their videos from home like alton brown and his wife do a quarantine kitchen which is the most makes me feel like i'm getting to be around people even though i'm not because it's just like a married couple being nice to each other and having fun um and just like a lot of like a lot of cats yeah so many cats what about you uh well you know king dewey is my life even though we're in new york now i still live to serve him um you know i just binged both seasons of sex education and i am full blown obsessed with it (laughs) i think that show is so good like, I think that's what's making me madder than anything that I didn't jump on board when it first came out and was kind of popular. It's just like, like, why isn't everybody talking about how incredible the performances and the writing are in that show? Or I don't know. Or am I just I... not part of that, that, that crowd? Like, have I missed all the talk? But like, I feel like maybe a lot of people who watched it are buzzing about it, but everybody needs to know about the show. It's that good. The only person until you like have fallen for it who really would always bring it up to me was Dorina and she would always always tell I mean, me I have to watch it. I need to talk to Dorina about that. Yeah, oh, I, like sure. I, I can't stop thinking about it or talking about it. It's just, you know, I, like I really believe in that article that I wrote. I I truly think that sex education will have something for everybody. It doesn't matter if you 100% relate to any single character. There are tinges to it that are so grounded and pure and human that it's a real fun watch that really might make you open up no matter what stage you are at your life, too, because it's not just a young adult show. Um, It's also about some of the parents, too, and they go through such big changes and they work... 
I mean, the whole the whole show amazes me. It's a huge ensemble too, and like every freaking character gets a full arc. Like there's someone who you might think would be like an itty bitty supporting character, and then all of a sudden something really profound and meaningful happens to them, and I'm like, holy shit, you guys did it again. <laughs> I will. I, I will finally watch it. Please do. And in I the will. in the genre in the genre sphere, the Nemiroff household will be watching Underwater tonight. So that is the plan. I'm looking forward to it. I wanted to see that earlier this year. I know. I'm excited, too. Um, I'm having trouble getting my code to redeem, but I'm working on it. So maybe we can talk about that next week. Okay. You you have my word. I will be ready to go on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I guess we got to say goodbye now. <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope this looks good and sounds good. Guys, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm experimenting. I'm going to order a new mic. We soon. are doing what? We can. That we that we are. I hope you're doing what you can also. Yes, we do. But you know, stay safe, stay positive, stay hopeful, everyone. Be good, be kind to each other. Haley, where can everybody find your wonderful work on the internet? Uh well, always on collider.com. You can find me at Haley Fouch at Twitter. Oh, oh, forgot my own handle for a second. I was like, where can you find me? I'm Haystack McGroovy on Instagram. Yeah. I am at PNMROF on Twitter and Instagram and lots of writing, more writing than I have done recently on Collider.com right now. And it is a pleasure. That's it. We're out of here, but we'll be back next week. But for now, you have officially survived the witching hour. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.